Chris, I don't really know how to start this rant about Deshaun Watson because I've been feeling a lot of things about it over the past few days, ever since the trade emerged that the Cleveland Browns were going to acquire Deshaun Watson. And I know that a lot of fans have been feeling uh, a lot of ways about it. Normally we try and write these rants down. I'm just going to speak off the cuff a little bit, but like, it doesn't, it's not a surprise that this happened because the way the NFL it, the NFL and the culture within the 32 teams in the NFL have made it very clear that they don't care about female fans in particular. Uh, they don't care about violence against women. They don't care about presenting themselves as a league of good people or people who care about doing the right thing. And this is the latest and most headline gathering example in in a while but it's the same story and the fact that we're still here in 2022 and this is happening in the national football league is disgusting um and the cleveland browns in particular i think should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for acquiring this player for the fact that they're going to try and market this player as the face of their franchise and to try and lead them to a super bowl and the fact that they signed him to a massive 230 million fully guaranteed contract, which of that 230 million dollars, his salary in his first season is one million dollars. So that's the Browns admitting that they know, or Deshaun Watson knows, or everyone knows that he will probably be suspended by the NFL for a good chunk of that first season, if not the entire first season. And they didn't, they they like conspired with him to be like we know you're going to get suspended for what you did but we don't want you to lose a lot of money about it Deshaun and that I think is probably why we saw we got those reports that Watson didn't want to go to Cleveland and then a day later changed his mind and did Um, so the fact that the Browns tried to think up this sneaky way to do Deshaun Watson a big favor and help him dodge that punishment is it makes me sad and sick to my stomach and I mean I think it says a lot that the Cleveland Browns I've seen a lot of Cleveland Browns fans the past few days the fan base that has been horrifically mistreated over the past 50 years by the biggest punchline the most laughable joke of an organization in professional sports this is what's causing a lot of Browns fans to say I can't support this team anymore when you have Browns Cleveland Browns fans who have been through so much by this terribly run, like I said, I can't put it better than a joke of an organization, an absolute punchline. This is what breaks their back. Like that's how you know that what the Browns did this time is truly disgusting and so much worse than any bad playoff loss or 0-16 season or anything like that. This goes beyond football. It's awful. And Deshaun Watson should never play another game in the NFL and the fact that the Browns want to give him $230 million to do it, it doesn't even make sense from a football point of view. Like he's not, he's like a borderline top five quarterback in the NFL when he does play. He also hasn't played in a year, so that'll take a while to ramp up. Um, so giving him the biggest contract in NFL history makes no sense in its own right. But beyond that, that's not even worth talking about because this move is disgusting. And I pray that the Browns do not 
make make the playoffs or win a Super Bowl because of this because there would be truly no justice if that were to happen. Well, speaking of punchlines, Griffin, I do not have one today. Just a heavy heart and another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. Welcome to High Floor, Low Ceiling, Griffin. Powerful words. I think everyone, uh, or at the very least a lot of people, are in agreement with you and have uh, some, some very conflicting feelings about this matter. Um, but we press on, and we are back for another week, Griffin. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris, in spite of, in spite of all that. I just, I, I hope that our listeners were able to sit through me sit with me through that i just had to get that off my chest a bit uh and now i don't want to talk about it anymore but i do want to give a shout out to those fans out there who did decide not to be browns fans anymore that's very very tough like i i remember when we found out that roberto alomar allegedly did those terrible things and the blue jays very quickly took down his banner and his name off the level of excellence that made me very proud to be a Blue Jays fan when that happened, as hard as it was to hear that Roberto Alomar was that type of person. And uh, the fact that Browns fans, a lot of them have seen that their team is not like that and have decided to uh, leave them behind that. I mean, it, it sounds silly, but that takes a lot of courage to have a team that you have given so much of your heart and your life to, to say that I'm done. Like, that's not an easy thing to do. So I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, I mean, it gets back to sort of the fundamental sort of weirdness about what we do and like the industry we work in that sports can feel so unimportant at times or so trivial but then at other times can feel like such a microcosm for the national conversation it's it's tough uh but nevertheless as i say we press on we will not be discussing those matters uh for the foreseeable future i'd say but we'll see we'll see what happens but griffin there is a lot of other stuff happening in the National Football League right now because, you know, even though it's hard to think of it as a football move, the Browns did make a football move. And there are a lot of uh, other moves that have sort of come out stemming from that that I wanted to get to. Yeah, let's uh, talk about other football moves and other football teams. Precisely. I think what I want to start, because the sort of quarterback reshuffling the solar system has sort of started to orbit around this new gravity that has been created by, by a few of these big deals, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers as well. So the first big thing I want to talk about Matt Ryan going to the Indianapolis Colts, because I think he is, he's a, I mean, he didn't have a great season last year, but you would still say even at what 36 is he that he would still say he's a cut above a Carson Wentz or a Marcus Mariota or even a Baker Mayfield. Right. Yeah, I would. And yeah, we're talking about a former MVP here, which is no nothing to sneeze at in the National Football League. I really like this move. Yeah, Matt Ryan sort of, he lost Julio Jones last year, sort of toiled away in a bit of obscurity in Atlanta, but the Colts are a good team. They've got a good offense uh, sort of around that quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, obviously an absolute stud, and they've got a good defense. So I think that this is a good move for the Colts and for Matt Ryan. I think that both of these 
uh, I think this is a good match for them. And I think we could see a bit of a Matty Ice resurgence coming up this year in Indianapolis. Yeah, he definitely, toiling away is the right word for it. I mean, the Falcons certainly had a disappointing year. I think people had pretty high expectations for Kyle Pitts as, you know, sort of like the next great tight end in like the Travis Kelsey mold. And he has, you know, gotten off to a slower start maybe than people predicted. Uh, they even have the F- Calvin Ridley issue to deal with as well to the Falcons. Uh, he'll be out for next season. Yeah. So they, I think, will be in a very interesting position. Um, but this Matt Ryan move, I, I do like it for the Colts. They were nine and eight last year. Like they were right in the mix after didn't they have like quite a bad start to the season as well I'll, I'll check the numbers on that but being nine and eight being above 500 missing the playoffs making an upgrade at quarterback you see the thought process the one thing that does give me pause a little bit is the lack of consistency from them and not only from them as a team but also at the quarterback position because they had philip rivers he led them to a playoff spot. They almost won a playoff game, which I feel like a lot of people forget. Um, and then, you know, once the following year, they, they're around 500 still. And now Ryan, are you, does it concern you that they have really not made any efforts to find like a quarterback of the future, a long-term solution? Or do you think that with the team they have, it makes more sense to just be looking for these, stop gaps next guy up and trying to compete with that yeah it is funny this will be their fourth starting quarterback in the last four seasons which is an interesting philosophy to sort of focus on everything around the quarterback and then figure yeah we'll be able to find some average to slightly above average guy that we can plug in there who can complete some passes and every year so it, it's worked medium for them so far but i mean as we say on this podcast we came up with this, uh, the quarterback most important position in sports is an NFL quarterback. Uh, so I feel like eventually you've got to find one, but I like that they're not forcing it either. I like that they're not like, instead of maybe taking a big swing on a draft pick this year and a year with like not many good quarterbacks in the draft or going out and trying to trade 11 first round picks for uh, Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. I like that they don't panic and they say, yeah, we're fine with a year of Matt Ryan. And then We'll try it. We'll see what's available next year. You never know what's going to happen in the NFL. You never know if Russ, if our Russell Wilson is going to become available or anything like that. So I, I respect them for not panicking and for just saying, all right, let's try it again. So, so I like that kind of, yeah, weird, I think, but I like it. <laughs> it is weird for sure. And I think their moves like in a vacuum, the assets they are giving up are, are enough are small enough that they can make these decisions pretty easily. Like if you look at what they gave up, in the Carson Wentz trade and then what they gave up for Matt Ryan, he did just cost them a first round pick or a third round pick. There is a financial commitment there, but then they're basically, they upgraded from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan for free is basically what it amounts to. Um, Jonathan Taylor, do you think just quickly, do you think he's going to have the same kind of season he did last year? Cause that would certainly take a lot of pressure off of Matt Ryan, who hasn't really had a great running back since like, Devonte freeman does that count yeah i mean it's tough to say running back so fickle of a position but jonathan mm. taylor he's young he was a stud in college he was incredible this year there, there's certainly nothing to suggest that he can't do it again unless you're just afraid of all elite running backs at all times suddenly dropping off a cliff as they are want to do so that's if you have that fear i i 
I'm not going to talk you out of it, but I certainly like there's nothing to indicate to me that Jonathan Taylor can't go out, maybe not have the exact same season just because he was so good this year, but still have another best running back in the league type season. Yeah, exactly. The other sort of quarterback related move I wanted to get to is the Baker Mayfield business. So I guess we do sort of have to talk about the Browns obliquely. Um, You know, he requested the trade. They refuse the trade. I think now they are sort of, they have to trade him really. Like, I don't think they really have another choice in the matter. Um, Obviously, like we said, you have Carson Wentz being traded from the Colts to the commanders. You have (laughs) Marcus Mariota. (laughs) I know the commander is so bad, right? Uh, I I had that rant about the, uh, how good the red tails would have been. Would have been uh, 10 times better anyway, but it is what it is. Uh, Marcus Mariota did go to the Falcons on a two-year deal. I'm not convinced that they wouldn't also look for like a better quarterback, but, <laughs> but he seems like that. It seems like that's the move they're making for now. Uh, the Browns are reportedly seeking a first round pick for Baker, but they they're running thin on options is really what it amounts to. Cause we were literally going through the whole league before we started recording. And it's hard to find teams that, don't have either a long-term starting quarterback that they're happy with or a young quarterback who, you know, they're waiting and seeing on. And there are some fringe cases, like uh, we don't have them on here, but like the giants, do you think that they would look for a starting quarterback? Daniel Jones has been with the giants for what now? Three seasons. And he's shown like flashes here and there. So he's not the long-term solution for them, but I mean, if they were to give up on him completely, I feel like he'll end up having a solid NFL career somewhere. And I don't think, I don't think he's that much worse than Baker Mayfield, to be honest. Baker Mayfield is like maybe 16th out of 32 in the NFL. He's just like perfectly an in the middle quarterback and Daniel Jones slightly lower than that, but not by much. So if Cleveland's really asking for a first round pick and you're the giants, I don't think that upgrade is worth it enough. And I don't think you're like that close to competing unless you're feeling a lot of pressure to but I mean, I was going to say maximize Saquon Barkley, but he might have already been maximized. Like, he might just be done. So, yeah. Um, it's an interesting situation because I, I do – you mentioned him being sort of average. I do think he is getting a little underrated these days because – Yes. Because, you know, he was obviously injured last season. Everyone knew this. Everyone could see it. They weren't that far off in 2020. I mean, obviously, you know – they had a pretty good team around Baker, but in 2020, they weren't that far away from potentially beating the Chiefs, playing in an AFC championship game, at which point, you know, you're going against the Bills, like that's a winnable game as well. Like there is a timeline where they, you know, make a Super Bowl, even though that <laughs> sounds crazy to say maybe, but like there is that timeline where that happens. And then, you know, what then happens with Baker Mayfield? Because it wasn't that long ago that they were talking about, like, we need, do we need to give him like this giant extension? And now it's like, we need to get rid of this guy. So I think he is maybe a little underrated at this point. Um, A couple of options, the Seattle Seahawks, who just traded away Russell Wilson, they have Drew Locke, who I would imagine, (laughs) like most people, yes, you do not feel inspired by (laughs) Drew Locke. Uh, It is a similar player profile, I, I guess, right? because they're both short yeah yeah, there you go that's all you need um but once again just like if you're the seahawks does baker mayfield move the needle a guy like entering his prime sort of are you ready for that or are you looking younger i feel like you're looking younger 
But yeah, you do have that Lockett Metcalf cord, but so yeah. maybe Seahawks might be an option, actually. The question is, if you're the Seahawks, are you trying to do something this year or are you looking to blow it up? Because I think that is sort of the predicament they have found themselves in. Uh, they have a very, what I would call a polarized set of outcomes for the season where they either trade for someone like a Baker and there really aren't that many options left other than like Jimmy Garoppolo. They trade for one of those guys, try and make a playoff run, or they start tearing down their pieces because that is really what it has come to, I think, for them. Yeah, I feel like if you're the Seahawks, you're probably leading towards tearing down your pieces. DK Metcalf had a bad year this year. Tyler Lockett's fine. And you don't really have any huge names beyond that. So I, I, you'd have to think that trade, trading Russell Wilson is the start of a teardown. It would be very interesting if that was the start of a retool. So I'm going rebuild if we're playing retool or rebuild for the Seahawks. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I'm generally someone who trends towards saying a rebuild is better. Like, I know that that's hard for that's hard for fans to hear, certainly. Like, but it, it does feel like a lot of times teams will start a rebuild a year late rather than a year early, right? Like that's the Bill Belichick thing. That's like, you'd rather trade a guy a year too early than a year too late. And I feel like teams generally tend towards a year too late. And so I feel like, like in this situation, it's like the Seahawks, it's like they have DK Metcalf, like what a promising young receiver, like who wouldn't want that? We've just seen some receivers get traded and make some, get some pretty big returns. And then you have Metcalf who's still like on the rookie deal. How much could he fetch? I imagine a lot. So like why, if you're not planning to make the playoffs this year or next year, which I would imagine they're probably not expecting to, then why wouldn't you make that move? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, a couple other possible destinations. Miami, how do we feel about Tua Tagovailoa? Is that a viable long-term solution? We'll talk about another move Miami made shortly, I imagine. Uh, but it's he sort of had the same season where it's like I don't feel inspired enough to bet on you, but I don't yeah. feel uninspired enough to dump you yet. Yeah, I personally I could dump too. I don't think that I mean it's obviously a risk when you're dumping a young quarterback who was very successful in college and all that, but it's been a couple seasons of the two attack of Iloa show in Miami, and he hasn't really shown me anything that is like oh you're this guy like if you let this guy go it's going to come back to bite you there's been flashes of course but Miami's a destination that I like for Baker Mayfield like we said they made another big move which we will get into momentarily but I think they're ready to compete they've got an incredible wide receiver core and Baker uh I think is definitely better than Tua so I I think that's a destination that I could see uh working out well yeah I do think it's an upgrade. I guess the problem then becomes what do you do with Tua? Because is that a player? Trade him to Seattle. I guess so. I mean, like you look at like Josh Rosen, like it is like a bit of a Josh Rosen situation where you're giving up on a guy who has sort of already revealed himself not to be the guy. Now, in fairness to Tua, he has been injured. He's been up and down. He probably shouldn't have been starting in 2020. There's a lot of ifs with him, but I'm more, I'm mostly with you that I don't feel super confident. But then you have the run that Miami made last year towards the end of the season. And like, does that factor into your, your thinking at all? Cause you know, they were what? Well, the, 
they were so good that they fired their coach over it. So uh... <laughs> sure, but I mean, they did go seven and one in their last eight games. Like that. No, I was being serious. That he won oh. too much, and they fired him for it. <laughs> <laughs> I see. But th- does um, that factor into your calculus at all? Like they they were good. They were good. Like I it's mean, hard they, to say they, they weren't. It's easy to say they won games. I'm not sure if it's hard to say they weren't good. Like it. A couple of the games were fairly difficult opponents but a couple of them were real easy i think that was more of a mirage i would not want to base the future of my franchise especially when you're talking about future quarterbacks over one eight game stretch and i think the trade that we've alluded to a couple times now that i'm going to say out loud they traded for tyree kill Mm -hmm. um just yesterday so that i think is a signifier that they need an upgrade at quarterback like they're ready to compete now they got a guy in his prime now i would imagine they're about to give him a huge contract if they haven't already uh so yeah i say go for it if you're miami that might be my favorite destination for baker right now yeah they have given tyree kill that big contract but and almost like i'm almost like do you even need a good quarterback now (laughs) because you have tyree kill and mike mcdaniel let's talk about that because that offensive core is suddenly very, very threatening. I mean, they also, I should mention, they have Teddy Bridgewater as a backup right now. So mm-hmm. that could be an option as well for as a starter for them if they need more of like a game manager. Because when you look at their whole offensive core, they signed Chase Edmonds, who was really solid last year, I thought. They signed Raheem Mostert, who is very, very injury prone and not reliable, but could potentially be good. Miles Gaskin, I thought, had a really solid year last year. I'm kind of surprised that they went out and signed two running backs, given how good he was last year at times. But then the receivers, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker. And, like, you know, Devontae Parker, I thought, was a really solid receiver. And now suddenly he's your number three. And so yeah. now that looks, like, like incredibly threatening. And then Gesicki, the tight end, is really solid as well. So yeah, they Gisicki's are basically a wide receiver who lines up at tight end. Like, he's phenomenal. So yeah, honestly, like I, there's so much speed in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, two of the fastest players in the entire NFL. That honestly, like I want to see them get like a Jameis Winston or something, like the opposite of a Teddy Bridgewater guy who just go out and sling it sixty yards downfield. Yeah, Baker does have a good deep ball. He's got a good arm, so that's another. And but so does Tua. So I don't know. The Dolphins are very interesting to see what they do. Yeah, because, you know, you talk about, you know, them being such big downfield threats, which they certainly are. But then you look at how Debo Samuel was used in in San Francisco under Mike McDaniel. And I think that that is definitely the template. Like you can imagine how good Tyree Kill would be in that kind of role. Like, I think that that's just like very nasty to consider just with his inherent foot speed and his inherent playmaking ability that it's like, I, I joked with people that like, they should just run no quarterback because it's just about like getting the ball into the hands of a waddle or a hill, like two of the best after the catch receivers that you can have. And then just letting them be like the playmakers rather than having the quarterback be the playmaker, because we've seen San Francisco be successful without, I think it would be fair to say a great quarterback or even arguably a good quarterback. It is funny that both of their super fast wide receivers are things that would generally slow you down a waddle or a hill. Those aren't Mm. things you can do quickly, Mm -hmm. Um, but there is one more Baker Mayfield. I'm going to, I'm going to use that as the end of our Miami dolphins conversation. There is one more Baker Mayfield destination. We talked about, we started 
with discussion of Matt Ryan. So we swing it back around to the Atlanta Falcons. This is another one I like. Like they re-signed Cordero Patterson, who had a great year for them as a sort of hybrid wide receiver running back and is a guy in his prime right now. And they've got Kyle Pitts, who, like we said, started out a little slow, but still certainly oozes potential at that tight end position. So I think you definitely want a competent quarterback throwing them the ball. They did just sign Marcus Mariota, who I believe has not played in a couple of years. Like he's been a backup somewhere. I want to say maybe Vegas. I think that is correct. I definitely remember him being in Vegas for a spell. He, yes, he appeared in 10 games for Vegas and uh, attempted two passes. So yeah, he's been, he's been a backup. Two passes over 10 games. Well, that, so he was just QB sneaking out there. So I yeah, so. Um, I mean, they signed Marcus Mariota, I guess, as a warm body to play quarterback. And hell, you might as well take a flyer on a guy who was once the number two overall pick. But not nothing that you're really attached to there. So if a good deal comes along for Baker, I could see Atlanta taking that as well. Yeah, my thing is that are they at the point at a, as a team, I mean, I know the answer, they're not, to may, be giving up draft capital for a quarterback. Like, obviously, as Atlanta, like, you're not going to give up a first-round pick. I think that that's, you know, that's just not happening. Um, and, you know, maybe it's two seconds or whatever it ends up being. But, like, you look at their whole team, it's like you, ha- you do have Cordell Patterson, who I think is a really solid player. And you have Kyle Pitts, who has a lot of potential, but it's like they don't have a wide receiver whose name you know. Like Calvin Ridley is going to be suspended for the whole year, potentially longer, but I'd say at minimum for the year. Do I they not still have Russell Gage the third? That's they, a name I know. They do not have – I'm looking at their oh, depth chart right damn. now. They do not have Russell Gage the third. Right now they're listed WR1 is a gentleman, and I'm sorry if I got the name wrong, but – Olamide Zacchaeus is what his name appears to be. Unless you're getting the name really wrong and his name is actually (laughs) Russell Gage III. Um, I have not heard of him. And, you know, a great name, a huge, a huge factor in the good greatness of a wide receiver, in my opinion. But yeah, they just, they don't have really weapons other than Cordell Patterson, who is maybe more of a guy who he fits in best when he is not the focus, right? when you can sort of yeah. have him be like the tricky guy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there was, there was another move. There's Devonte Adams, the Raiders. I don't have a ton to say about that. Apparently yeah, weird it was his, that he didn't want to be a Packer. Apparently it was his dream to play for the Raiders. Uh, so cheers to him, I suppose. Uh, but just quickly, like, do you think that this is a move that gives you a significant difference in wins? Certainly it gives Derek Carr, like the best weapon he's had. But like, you know, they were a five, more or less a 500 team last year. You wouldn't see them getting to more than like 10 or 11 wins, right? Like, does this put them in a contention spot with like an elite wide receiver? No. Yeah. Like, I'm curious to see how, like if Devonte Adams, who was sort of the consensus best wide receiver in football the last few years with Aaron Rodgers, like, will he keep that up with Derek Carr? Like that really seemed like a match made in heaven of Rodgers and Adams. So It'll be curious to see, and the AFC West is loaded beyond belief, but uh, respect to the Raiders for looking at the other three teams in their division and the Broncos getting Russell Wilson and going, you know what, we're in too, instead of, all right, we're going to take a step back. So uh, credit to them, and God, it's going to be a fun year of football in the AFC West, but yeah, I think the Raiders are still probably on the outside looking in. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a fun year of football all around. But Griffin, let's move from a sport that is played by Derek Carr 
to a sport which takes place inside of a car, your two people are shaking their heads at me. The F1 season, of course, started last week in Bahrain. Uh, and joining us to discuss the exciting start to the season, we have a sports journalist, an F1 enthusiast, a good friend of high floor, low ceiling. Liam Weber joins us. How are you today, Liam? I'm good, and it wouldn't be this podcast without horrible puns, so glad to be here. That is deeply offensive to me, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, Liam, it's a brand, as I, Chris. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, as I said, Bahrain starting last week, we had the 1-2 finish for Ferrari. They're back, baby. Uh, oh, I should preface this probably by saying that I am not the, the F1 enthusiast here. I am coming from a place of ignorance, so... Feel free to correct me if I say anything foolish, and then we will cut it out and just make you sound smart. <laughs> uh, but Barre last week, you have the one-two finish for Ferrari. Mercedes ends up three and four with both the Red Bull cars retiring very late. Liam, what was your impression of this race? Were you surprised by Ferrari having the top two spot, or did you see this coming into the season? I, I think... It's hard to say that you're not even a little bit surprised that Ferrari had a one-two. I mean, Ferrari hadn't won a race in a long time. And Mercedes had been so dominant for so long that that even if they were performing well in the um, the preseason testing, I think it'd be impossible to say that it wasn't a surprise to see Ferrari in the one-two position. I think it would also be surprising, though, after the preseason testing to see Mercedes get the three, four and just what a absolute disaster for, for Red Bull. And I guess the Red Bull engine with, uh, with Gasly going out with a power failure as well. So a pretty exciting start to, uh, the 2022 formula one season. Yeah, we did see, uh, we saw Red Bull sort of, they were very competitive with Ferrari for a lot of the race before having to retire. Griffin, do you think that it's a cause of concern for them that they had well, I mean, I would imagine it is a cause for concern to have two cars fail. But like, does that does that indicate anything, or do you think that they can sort of chalk it up to bad luck and say that they'll improve as the season goes along from a mechanical perspective? Well, this is the first year that Red Bull is making their own engines. In previous mm-hmm. years, they had bought engines from other companies. When Max Verstappen won the World Championship last year, uh, Red Bull's engine was made by Honda. But they tried to make their own engines this year with a lot of input from Honda. So, but a bad a bad debut for Red Bull powertrains, as they're now called. Um, but I do think that they'll they've identified the problem. They say they say there was a vacuum in their fuel pump that caused both cars to mm. just get shut down. So this did seem like a fluky sort of start of the season result to me. And when the car was on track, uh, I mean Max Verstappen was more than able to fight with Charles Leclerc and there was some great racing between the two of them. So I think that those two will be battling all year long and I doubt it'll be very long before Mercedes catches up with them. So we could have a real sort of three team race for the championship this year, which we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. I did want to ask about Leclerc because I think for me as someone who mostly was paying attention last year when it was so thoroughly dominated by Hamilton and Verstappen that you know, like all basically everyone else sort of got pushed out. Like I didn't hear about anyone else. There was a guy who retired in the last race. I remember that, but that like pretty much it was just Hamilton and Verstappen. So Liam, what can you tell me as a neophyte about Leclerc? Like I know was looking at his past results and it seemed like he was sort of consistently a 
middle of the upper pack kind of guy, if that makes any sense. So is is this a case of him just sort of having the car to finally match his skill or have you seen any differences from him? I think that can be, yes. I mean, it is a matter of, you know, he has the car now. And, and I think that's kind of the case with basically you know, any successful driver ever in F1 though. I mean, it's gotta be that mixture of a, 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 you know, very talented driver with the car at the right time. And you've seen it through, through the years, but you know, Leclerc possibly has that car now and he's an extremely talented driver and Ferrari is, finds themselves, you know, back in that top echelon of, of team now, whereas, you know, Carlos Sainz as well. I mean, Carlos Sainz has been around for, for longer than Charles Leclerc has, but they're both extremely talented drivers, and these drivers can make the most of the car that they have. And Ferrari, Ferrari's got that car now. I mean, we'll see. You know, it's a long season. A lot of development goes on through the season is as the season goes. But Leclerc is an extremely talented driver, and you give him the car, and he's going to fight with Verstappen. So, I mean, in Verstappen, reigning world champion, defeated you know one of the greatest if not the greatest driver of all time lewis hamilton so i mean you know give the guy the car and he'll do what you saw him do in bahrain and i i don't see that changing as the season goes on yeah but what's really interesting there is you bring up carlos Sainz. like for my money ferrari has the best driver team maybe verstappen and hamilton are both better on their own than either one of the ferrari drivers but ferrari has the best one two driver team and last year when they in his first year with Ferrari, Carlos Sainz finished ahead of Charles Leclerc in the uh, final drivers' championship. So one concern that people have had right now, the Ferrari drivers seem to get along great. But in Formula One, you generally have to pick a, an unofficial A driver and a B driver. And Ferrari right now is two guys who have more than a fair claim to be an A driver. So Leclerc won this first race, so he's ahead right now. But It'll be really interesting to see how those two go back and forth and if Ferrari does end up sort of picking one over, over the other if they try to keep them both happy because you don't want them taking points off of each other as well if you want to win that world championship. Yeah, and you wonder if they might let it almost play out for a few races and let, you know, they might, they, they, they probably don't want to make that decision yet. They don't want to, they don't want to decide who, because I 100% agree with you, they're, they're going to have to choose who should be a number one who should be a number two, because in past, I think you've seen that when they don't officially choose who's going to be a number one, the drivers themselves, you know, can get into squabbles or you can have on track issues as we've seen. We saw with um, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg and culminating in crashes on track. And um, I mean, it happened at Red Bull with Daniel Ricardo and Max Verstappen a couple of times. I mean, it, it just leads to problems, but I'm sure that Ferrari's probably asking themselves that same question right now and is Leclerc going to be the one that leads the charge or is Sainz going to be the one that leads the charge I think it will probably be Leclerc but as you said Sainz an extremely talented driver as well and it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on yeah and Leclerc has been there for longer he's sort of like they called him up to their main team when he was like 18 or 19 years old like he has been their next one for a while so I do think that if they had to choose they would go with him as well but yeah like um yeah like you said they're going to want to kick that down the road as long as possible and keep both of these guys happy in in the ferrari umbrella and griffin because it is a sport where equipment matters so much it seems like there's already sort of developing this ferrari and red bull they're going to be top of the table it's going to be difficult for another team to sort of get in the mix 
you mentioned Mercedes as like we would assume the team that could do that. So is it just improvements to their car? I know I was reading about they're making big changes to the cars this year. They're sort of changing those technical elements. So is it, it, do you think it is just a case of needing to adjust to those changes and then, you know, putting out a car that is worthy of a top of the table finish by midseason or whenever that comes? Yeah. So like you said, Chris, this year in Formula One, there are big changes to the technical regulations about what you can, uh, how you can make a car. So a lot of these teams basically had to hit the reset button and, Mercedes, who has been an unbelievable force in the last decade and has basically not put a foot wrong, uh, sort of missed the mark on their start of season car. And Ferrari and Red Bull are both clearly ahead of them right now. Uh, So with that being said, this is Mercedes-Benz, the most dominant Formula One team of the 21st century. Like They will catch up. And them picking up a bunch of points on Red Bull and Lewis Hamilton picking up a bunch of points on Max Verstappen because of that uh shock retirement in the first race could end up playing a very big role in the end of this season but yeah mercedes is gonna like it's not an immediate fix for them it's gonna take a few races i know that they targeted uh imola the italian grand prix as their sort of target to getting their car back to a championship level which i think is like the fourth or fifth race of the year so they're gonna need to keep their heads above water until then i think that's actually a really good point you bring up as well though that you know, despite them being maybe a step behind to start the year, obviously we're, we're not counting them out, but the fact that they finished the first race and Hamilton picked up 15 points, Russell picked up 12, and despite Red Bull clearly having the better car, Red Bull picked up zero points. So reliable, you know, it doesn't matter how good the car is if it can't finish the race. And I, I do think that that was a bit of an anomaly for Red Bull. And I think as 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 fans, we we want to see... Uh, we don't, you know, you never want to see retirements from the race, but Mercedes finished the race. Lewis Hamilton picked up another podium and George Russell came forth. So despite them being a step behind, you know, that's still a three, four. So if they can hang in there right now, pick up and consistently kind of stay in that third position and nab some of these kind of team wise second position finishes, that's going to go a long way. Um, you know, in the long run in this, and you know, how long this season goes in all the ebbs and flows of an entire F1 season. Yeah, I think that, like you said, like having that little early bump, I think could definitely be significant down the line. Um, and looking down the line, you know, we've talked mainly about three, what would you call them? Constructors, companies, teams. Yep. Uh, so th- and I think they will probably be the teams that will be dominating the headlines. But is there a dark horse, Liam, that you like looking forward? I know people were talking about Haas going into the season and Kevin Magnuson did finish fifth. Um, you know, so are you looking there? Are you looking anywhere else for, for a dark horse, perhaps, that could be in the mix? A, a dark horse to take over kind of the top three? No. Uh, I don't think anybody in the, you know, by end of this, come end of the season, I, I don't think, I don't expect um, that there will be a top three outside of Ferrari, Mercedes, um, and Red Bull, at least this year. I mean, there's been some teams that have really dropped off. Haas is, I think, by far, it, with again, with the caveat that we're one race into the season. But, I mean, Kevin Magnussen placed fifth. And those, you know, the Haas cars last year were consistently, consistently coming 19-20 the entire season last year. And they've been a real step behind. So, I mean, Haas is, is, is a huge jump up. 
Um, Valtteri Bottas, sixth place in the Alfa Romeo, coming from Mercedes, going to the Alfa, a sixth place finish. I mean, that's huge for that team as well. And I think it shows just what a quality driver he is. So do, do I see someone kind of cracking that top three this year that isn't Ferrari, Mercedes, um, or Red Bull? No. Do I think a team like Haas or Ralph Alfa Romeo could make a surprise in kind of the top of that midfield, kind of starting in the fourth position? Absolutely. I think Williams is kind of, you know, going to be a step behind again this year. What what are we going to see from Alfa Tori kind of based on the way this engine works out? I think they could push for the top of that midfield. I think uh, McLaren is kind of really taking a step down. I think it's a little bit unclear what we're going to see from Aston Martin and Alpine at this point, where are they going to kind of fit into that? So, but, but yes, long story long, there you are. And Griffin, I was going to ask about McLaren just because, you know, they had the 14, 15 finish. They were a team that it seemed like there was buzz about going into the year. Are you feeling like, you know, this could be a sign of things to come or is it more of a one race they're looking forward. They're still trying, it seems like, to get their car sort of on track, you could say. A little <laughs> bit of a car pun for you. Um, so are, are you concerned? Are you cautious? Or are you, you know, is, is it a green light, a yellow light, light, or a red light, Griffin? Oh, that's a great car analogy, Chris. <laughs> um, like Liam said, that sort of race for fourth place is wide open right now, which in Formula One makes a big difference because money is given out to the teams based on the order that they finish in. So the difference between like fourth and fifth is millions of dollars. Um, So teams will absolutely be fighting to finish fourth behind those big three that Liam mentioned. And McLaren did seem like the obvious choice coming into the season they finished fourth last year behind behind ferrari and third the year before that ahead of ferrari but that what i like what i saw in that race was a very what seemed to be very real problems like they were bad in qualifying and bad in the actual race so i'm concerned about that and another team who you would think certainly had designs on it and aston martin they looked quite slow as well um so yeah it could be haas alfa romeo like we said had a great start with Valtteri Bottas and the only rookie this year, Zhou Guan Yu, he got points in his first race. So uh, credit to them, but yeah, McLaren's, I think they have real problems. They've got a talented driver lineup in Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo, but I, I would be very concerned if I was a McLaren fan that they could drop down to fifth or sixth this year, if they can't figure out their issues in a hurry. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the, the clock is ticking because it feels like there is a race every week. I mean, we have a race coming up in a couple of days, Quickly, I'll come to you first, Liam. Do, what do you see happening in this race? Is it going to be the return to form for Verstappen? Obviously, this was a very tightly contested race last year in Saudi Arabia. Is it going to be another, you know, maybe controversial, maybe very tight kind of race? Uh, I mean, as I think as we saw in, in the opening race of the year, I think it, it, it's going to be between Ferrari and Red Bull. I think they're going to be the ones pushing for the one-two, at least based on what we saw last week. Mercedes is going to be right there as well. You know, last year in the in the last generation of cars now, Lewis Hamilton took pole. Lewis Hamilton won the race. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think, again, we're going to see, I mean, Max Verstappen, when the car is on, is always going to be pushing for that first spot. And I don't think you can ever count him out. So I think be watching Leclerc and Verstappen uh, this coming weekend for sure. And do you, do you concur, Griffin? Is, the, is that the uh, where the battle's going? 
I do. Verstappen is now the reigning world champion. He switched his number on his car this year to number one in a bit of a Formula One tradition Mm -hmm. after being named the world champion. So there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. He's never been reigning world champion before. So I think he's feeling that pressure and he's going to really want to come out, drive the aggressive style that he's famous for. And I think this time it'll result in a win. So I'm picking Verstappen to win. Well, it is it is certainly a long season, as we have alluded to. There is a race this weekend, as we also alluded to. So it, we will see what happens there. And Lee, we will have to have you back later in the season to uh, to check in on all of our predictions. Uh, Liam, thank you so much for joining us. We love having you on the show. We will certainly have you back. Where can people follow you? Do you have anything you want them to go check out from you? Well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I used to be very active on Twitter. I'm not right now, but you can follow me on Twitter at Liam Webbs. Otherwise, uh, I would just say to anybody that doesn't right, right now watch Formula One, you should be watching Formula One because it is that exciting. And I would just highly, highly recommend it. Well, a plug for the concept of Formula One. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Liam. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with some more high floor, low ceiling. And welcome back to high floor, low ceiling. I'm okay. <laughs> These are increasingly becoming nothing. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> I feel like we are starting to hit sort of maybe like a second feature for a lot of the voices. Like, but hey, how we got like 30 episodes in. With that. I think we got about two episodes in personally. <laughs> well, well, we'll be able to figure something out. Maybe we well, should start getting celebrity cameos for yeah, the welcome back. Genius. We could get all of our former guests to do one. Yeah, all those celebrities. Yeah. With, you know, with, with, with of course, Love and respect to all of our wonderful guests. Yeah, none of them are coming back now. To Liam Weber for joining us, uh, giving us some, in my opinion, terrific F1 insight as someone who is not educated. uh, And you as well, Griffin. I don't want to give you knowledge. Well, I Uh, I took a step back to Liam. He's been watching it much longer than I have. But yeah, that was great. A big thanks to Liam for sure. And always great to introduce another sport to our stable. Uh, And speaking of sports that we have not talked about, College basketball, Griffin, is popping off right now. Of course, March Madness happening. This is, I, I think many have called it the month of upsets. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that's <laughs> the classic phrase. Yes, everyone's like, I can't wait for Groundhog Day month and then the month of upsets. <laughs> and then the foolish month. Uh, <laughs> a lot of upsets happening in March Madness this year. Seven upsets in the first round. You know, St. Peter's is going all the way, baby. Just as I predicted in my bracket, the Peacocks. Uh, how is your bracket, by the way? Because mine, I oh, think it's not had, great. Mine had no hope, and now it has negative hope. I believe. Yeah. I've still most of my brackets had Gonzaga and Houston in the final. They're still alive. I'm banking on a big run from Houston, best defense in the country. I thought that would translate well to the tournament. So they're up against a number one seed, Arizona, either today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So fingers crossed on that. But yeah, not not my best bracket year overall. Certainly not for me either. I was kind of pressed into doing one, uh, and it was not great. But uh, Benedict <laughs> Mathurin uh, doing stuff, you know, could be good. Canadian. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. On Arizona. Uh, anywho. Well, he's going is... out against Houston. <laughs> well, best of luck to him, but not too much luck. No, exactly. uh, It is the month of upsets, Griffin. And so 
in us in an upset for us we've devised our worst segment yet (laughs) (laughs) okay that's a prestigious title it's true there's a stiff competition uh we're going to be talking about some real life upsets we're going to be handicapping some uh some real life upsets and asking each other if we will take the bet this is (laughs) perhaps ill-conceived but we'll see what kind of discussion arises from it uh why don't i go first here is the scenario that i'm giving you uh and hopefully this segment will make sense once i have given an example you you're going to the bar you go let's say let's say you are going out with friends okay the bouncer has a reputation for being a little stingy a little bit of a what the brits would call a wanker shout out to our british audience <laughs> uh you don't have any identification on you you do have as i can see on zoom right now griffin you're sporting some facial hair you have a beard so that is a, a point in your favor uh I'm going to give you plus 175 odds that you get in the door here. Are you going to take this upset bet that you're going to make it in the bar with no ID? You know, Chris, I recently (laughs) turned 25. I've been thinking a lot about my age lately, and I feel like 25 with the beard, that's the age that I could get in. I think my face shows my age. Uh, So I'm going to take the upset. Uh, I'm I'm getting in. And uh, yeah, we're getting the month of upsets kicked off to a good start. Wow. Despite your your youthful appearance, I would argue. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you don't feel that way? I don't know. I look in the mirror and I wonder where the time went. Wow. Just a boy who is supposed to be growing into a man, but doesn't feel like a man. Just still feels like the same scared little boy who he wow. was all those years ago when he couldn't get into a bar without an ID. Is that true? Or are you Why just... are we here? No, I'm like just it. doing a bit. I'm I'm doing pretty well though, mentally. Um, oh, good. Thank you. Do, do you want to just? Do you know what? Why don't we just forget about this thing? <laughs> Let's ask each other how we're doing. <laughs> uh, oh. But no. Oh, Chris, please. this is going to be a great segment. I've got one for you here. Uh, this is so you have to go out somewhere on a day it was okay, supposed I'm to not, rain. Let me all stop day. This right is there. already unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go out somewhere. Doesn't sound like me. <laughs> um. It was supposed to rain all day and it's been raining all morning, but it's now 2.33 p.m. And just as you are about to go outside, it stops raining. Uh, mm. Chris, this is like it's forecasted to rain, but it's, it stops raining once you have to go where you're going. I'm going to give you plus 250 on this one. So is so hold on. Let me make sure I understand the particulars of the situation. Am I is this? Am I betting that it will not rain when I go out, like for the duration of my time? Or am I betting that it will have stopped raining by the time that I have to leave? No, like when you leave, that's when the rain ends and doesn't come back. So like I'm it's betting, like perfectly timed for you. So I'm betting that it won't come back for the duration of my time outside. Or is it I'm betting, am I betting at the time of leaving? <laughs> Am I betting at the time that I leave the house or am I betting in the morning that it will have stopped? In the morning, mm-hmm. you have to bet, will it stop at the time you have to leave? And this is zero rain. That's an important distinction, I think, versus a drizzle. Uh, I'm like, there can be, obviously rain never turns off like a switch. So there can be a bit of 
spitting, but the rain, which has been steady, real rain all day, has now gone down to the level where you can be outside without an umbrella or a hood. Maybe it's drizzling a little bit. Sure. Well, I feel like I feel like if I'm running an errand, I'm going to be rolling in like the 2 p.m. kind of range. And that feels like a classic rain stopping kind of time. Don't you think like I do? I do think that like, oh, the morning that was brutal. And then like maybe the thing where it's like you go out for to get lunch and you're driving and it's raining. and But then you come back from lunch. You've done a little work. I'm describing like a scenario that I've not experienced recently, <laughs> but uh you know, you come back from lunch and then, you know, 2 p.m., you're looking out the window and then suddenly you, you say to your colleagues, oh, it stopped raining. That's the yeah. classic, that's a classic, classic colleague line. move, yeah. a classic colleague move and a classic 2 p.m. I was like, oh, hey, it stopped raining. Isn't that interesting? The <laughs> coolest thing in the world that it's not raining anymore when it used to be. <laughs> um, and for those reasons, I'm going to take the upset here. I mean, plus 250, terrific odds. Uh, I'm I'm pleased with those odds, and so I'm going to take those odds all the way to the bank. No rain for me. Give me the give me the upset, Griffin. This is a tough one because we have been not entirely in this situation, but we have we have done some karaoke together. That we have. Um, do you? How do you consider your singing ability? How do you rank it on a scale of one to ten? I consider it much better than every other person in my life has ever told me that it is. I would give myself like a six. My uh, mother, chief among my critics, and also every other person I've ever met would put me more at like a three. Okay. Now we were, when we were devising this segment, singing the theme song to Reading Rainbow (laughs) over and over again. Over and over. For no reason. Do you want to give the people a taste of your vocal ability? All right. All right. Uh, Here we go. Let me get into a good singing posture. Yes, you. I should also know that you are lying on the ground during this record for yes. noise reasons, I believe. Yes, I had to find a room in this house that there is construction going on all around. And this was the only room that uh, worked, but it does not have a chair in it. Um, mm. Anyway. <clears throat> Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Like, to me, that sounds good. I don't think it was good, but in my head, that sounds good. What number? Be brutally honest with me, Chris. What number are you giving that? Well, the thing is that I think a lot of people, a lot of people have a lot of trouble with tune, like melody. Just being able to hit the notes. This is a good start, I can tell. And I think that you are hitting the notes. Okay. I think you have a good ear, which is a very underrated element of, uh, of a singing voice. And so I feel comfortable giving you a five. Like, I will I take a five. I don't think you maybe have, you know, natural vocal chops, as they say. Uh, you did. You wavered a little bit on that little vocal run when you were going twice <laughs> as high. But I think that there's something look. there. Yeah, go ahead. I did. When it, it's in a book reading rainbow. It is like I do think I do learn by ear. Like when I we mentioned on a recent episode that I played the viola for eight years. <laughs> and uh, sometimes when reading sheet music, I wouldn't be able to get the rhythm quite down, but all I needed was someone else to play it. And then I would be able to mimic that timing. Um, so maybe you're onto something about me. You do know me well. Hey, I appreciate you saying that. Um, what's, a, so, what's a podcast partner for? So true, King. Uh, so here's the situation. You're okay. at karaoke. Oh, yeah. Let's this say- was all pre-amble. I forgot. <laughs> 
plus 200 that you're a good singer. But that's basically what this is. Um, so everyone before you has earnestly been singing, like singing a song, trying to like do a good job, not like, I picked a silly song and we're going to sing it and be silly because like, I don't want to put myself out there and actually have my real voice trying to sing a real song. Right. Like, people right. are trying. Okay. Um, I, I don't think it's relevant that how good people have, let's just say like, you know, the people have been average. Let's okay. say a six out of 10 on average. You have had two drinks. So, you know, you're feeling good, you're feeling loose. You can pick any song. And I do want to hear what your choice would be, but you know, I'm going to up the stakes here. I think this is a plus 275 that someone says, like, they express surprise. and like, Griffin, I didn't know you could sing. You're good. That someone says that. <laughs> and, you know, they, they don't have to be, like, being, like, totally honest. They could just but, be, like, hyping you up a little. You've, you've all had a couple of drinks. But, but it's not, they like, laughable. Say, no, they're not making fun of you. They're being, like, okay, that was solid. Good job. All right. Hmm, that's a good. Um, yeah, so I can't pick any song that's too hard to sing. Mm-hmm. I got to pick one that I know well. And I feel like a lot of my own performance uh, strengths would come from my energy. I like being up in front of a crowd. Uh, okay. I'm not shy up there. So I feel like that's going to wow people. So I want an up-tempo song. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go. Hmm, see, it is tough to sing. Oh, geez. I don't know. Um, but I think also the relative, like if you pick a difficult song and sing it competently, that's almost better than picking a normal song and singing it well, you know? That's true. I'm going to go with a bit of an off the, off the books choice because I can't think of a, a good song. I'm going to go with I Just Can't Wait to Be King from wow. The Lion King. I think that's a song I could sing well. I think it's a fun one. People like nostalgia. Obviously, that is one of the greatest like m- movie musical scores of all time, soundtracks. Sir Elton John. Uh, so I'm going with I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And I'm taking the upset. I'm taking myself to really wow, wow the crowd. Well, yeah, it's 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 great to bet the upset. Here's my question. Famously, of course, that song has its the interjections from Zazu the bird. Oh, I'm Are doing you, those two. You're doing it's a one-man operation, is what I was yeah. gonna ask. I'm okay. switching voices. Okay. Uh, and then and then that gives you, you know, it's letting you add to your your performance but it's also talking you know yeah and so yeah you can do a bit of an I accent slip into the accent which we are famously at. good at the two of us yes can you just can you just give me the i've never seen a king of beasts with quite so little hair well i've never seen a king of beasts with quite so little hair <laughs> okay you i'm did not do sure if I... I was doing the sasha baron cohen or the john oliver but one <laughs> thing i did really like john oliver in the new lion king i'm not sure if uh I know the new Lion King got mixed reviews, but I thought John Oliver was very good. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they certainly had a talented voice cast. <laughs> that's what I, yeah. what And then they said, that's that. all you need to remake a movie, right? Precisely. All right. Do you want to rapid fire some of these? Because I feel like we've gone very <laughs> in depth. Uh, well, I like the level of discussion around, but yes, let's, let's hit a couple. You have, how many more do you have? Two or three more? I have, I have one more for you. All right, Chris, this one is a rare one. This one I'm going to give you really good odds on. I don't think this has ever happened to me personally, but I do not have a car. So you hit the drive-thru. You're in a long drive-thru line, but you don't have enough money to pay for your order, you realize. So you have to gamble on the fact that you are in 
one of those famous I'll pay for the guy behind me drive through chains that sometimes have been known to start where no one pays for their own meal, but everyone pays it forward to the person behind them. And I will give you 10,000 plus 10,000 odds on this happening. Cause this is by all accounts, something that's pretty rare. Are you taking the upset? That I will not only hit one of these pay it forward drive through chains, but that I will hit it when I do not have enough money to pay for the thing. Well, you know what? I just, I, no, you know what? Just you hitting it in general. I'll, I'll take away the, why would you get something that you're like, I don't have enough money for this. Well, what I was going to say is that if I'm in that situation, then there's no chance that I'm taking the bet because if I don't have enough money, I'm, I'm pulling the circle the drive through and drive and drive on. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm out of there. Yeah. Uh, so, so that is not happening. Plus 10,000 to... Is there a minimum? Is there a maximum minimum bet? Because uh, if I can put what if I can put one dollar on it to win, or like even ten dollars to win a yeah, thousand? Sure, I'll say minimum bet ten dollars. I ooh on a random given day, I who who starts these things? That's what I'm sort of thinking about right now. <laughs> yeah, who like, who who are you trying to like? What kind of neighborhood are you trying to get to? Yeah, um, I don't. I just don't feel like I have a good because you know obviously in in the March Madness, you you want to. <laughs> I sound like such an old person saying that. In the March you want Madness, to, you want to look at the matchups, right? Because that is like that's how you figure out the upsets. Because it's like, oh, yeah. this team matches up well, and this that's why they're going to outperform their seeding and get this win. And conversely, I feel like I have no matchup awareness of the person who starts the drive-through line (laughs) and so despite the odds i feel like i'm just throwing my money away trying to predict when one of these things will occur and so as a as a conscientious better i feel like i must turn down these odds and bet i guess so i guess i'm betting ten dollars at minus ten (laughs) thousand on the other side of this bet um and I'm glad that we that one was quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really sped it up for that one. Okay, give me All right, give me one of yours. I'll give you my last one. So here's the situation. This is also like sometime in the future when you are like a family man, a stay-at-home dad, I guess. Okay. Uh you're work are you're working from home. You have to go to the grocery store at some point. The repair person has told you that they are coming between 12 and 2. And your child has said that they have a tummy ache, but they also have to give a presentation in front of the class today. So you're not sure how real that is. I'm giving you plus <laughs> 175 odds that you will be there when the repair person arrives. And they've said between 12 and 2, but of course, as we know, who knows? Wait, how does the child factor in? Well, just because if so, I, you... I want to be home as much as I can to take care of my child. No, that oh, no. Okay. you could potentially be interrupted during the day by your child being sick and having to come home. Oh, oh, the child's at school. Okay. Yes. So the child is a risk. It's, you know, that, that this could happen, but, uh, you, but you're not certain how real it is. Jeez, you know, repair people famously do not come in their time window. So maybe if anything, I should go to the grocery store from 12 to 2. 
Wow. But then that's um, such a risk because you're leaving at the time that they said they were going to be there, Griffin. It's a huge risk. So, you know, I, I personally am a, I play by the rules. So I think I am, wait, what's the bet? What's the upset? <laughs> the upset is that they will come when you're home because I feel like that's the thing is like, right. they're never they here never when, do. yeah. No, I, I'm glad this is amusing you so much. Excuse me. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not sure if this is smart money, but I cannot picture myself actually leaving the house from that 12 to two window. So I guess I'll have to take the upset and hope that this repair person, I, I'm sure I looked them up beforehand. They probably got good reviews. So I'm going to hope mm. that they honor their commitment and come on time. So I'm taking <laughs> the upset. All right. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Give me your last two very quickly. All right. Okay. I'll give you the quicker one first, Chris. Uh, putting the USB in the right way. This should be a 50-50, but it never actually is. So I will give you plus 125 on you putting a USB in the right way the first time. Griffin, I'm laying my life savings on this one because I, I have the system down pat. There are a couple of things you can look for. One is the, the, the two sides are different. So the one side has like the two rectangles and the other side has like the squiggly line that goes to the middle. And the squiggly line is usually the down position on an average computer. The other thing that you can look at in a more, you know, basic logical physics sense is that one side has a space and one side does not have a space. And so if you look at your USB thing, then you will see that one side has like a filled in part. And that's the side that goes in the empty part of the port. You know what? I should have, I should have, I should have modified this. Um, I'm going to say, to look. well, yeah, well, you can look, but I'm going to say, I'm going to hand you a USB that you've never had before. And from that USB touching your hand, you have exactly three seconds to have it in the computer. So you could maybe take a quick look, but you got to get that hand down there and you got to get it in fast yeah i think i think i can do this i would be trying to cheat a little i'd be looking at while it's in your hand to see where it would be a closed fist presentation okay okay so you're not seeing the usb until i drop it into your hand so let me just imagine this it's like you drop it and it's one two three i think i can do this i feel confident this i'm taking the upset griffin all right you're putting a lot of money down it's not great odds (laughs) but you're putting a lot of money down and then this last one chris i'm very curious to hear um, you are a very funny person. Obviously, all of our listeners know that. I would count you among my funniest friends. Wow, we're uh, friends. Make... Interesting. Okay. <laughs> all right. You don't always have to be funny. Uh, <laughs> God, is there an off switch? Uh, but this is a tough one. This is someone who I also, I like to think of myself as funny. I like to certainly sure. be the guy telling jokes in a group. But one, one thing I hate doing is telling jokes in a crowded bar to your group mm-hmm. of friends. No one can ever hear you correctly. So I'm saying you have to tell a joke that really lands in a group. Like everyone hears it and laughs, but you're out at a crowded bar. You're, like we said, very funny, but this can be a tough setting. So I'll give you plus 200. See, Double your money. I think this is a very bad matchup for me, is what I will say. If I am, you know, if I'm betting on my own comedy, then my own comedy is a has a is a bad matchup in a crowded bar for a couple of reasons. One, part of my humor, I think, is based on not getting reactions. I think that 
saying something for my own amusement that everyone else hates is like is a core part of who I am uh (laughs) I'm not a bar person really the crowded bar especially like you're having to shout it's it's things can sometimes seem disconnected because like you know a lot of my humor comes from sort of jumping on what someone else said and then sort of tagging it after the fact so you have to really be like in the flow of conversation listening carefully to hear that uh and then just you know the inherent nature of of humor is that it's not going to land every time i think i i do amuse myself with everything i say but i'd say with others i have maybe like a 45 percent hit rate uh (laughs) i'm a high volume is what i how i like to put it is i'm a volume score for sure exactly i've won the dion waiters award certainly uh and so for those reasons i am sticking with the favorite here which is me not being funny (laughs) uh minus 200 thank you for thinking of me in that way uh and i will be playing it safe on this one all right you know that's fair i i do know that you are you're a uh you've got a subtle dry sense of humor a, a lot of your humor can just be like a look like someone will say something to you and you'll go like oh. then, uh, <laughs> sure that that probably didn't translate very well over the podcast it is a strictly audio medium but it's you know the classic chris look if you're listening you the, the one eyebrow raised uh so that's skeptical kind of like uh oh that's definitely something chris does as a, uh, <laughs> it's one of one of your biggest killers um well i think I that's appreciate... just about doing it <laughs> yes. we'll be bringing back every march i hope yeah i mean you know why not june and september as well i think those are the months regular... of unsa those aren't the months of upsets though <laughs> so true but yes as griffin said this will thankfully bring this episode to a close <laughs> uh if you made it all the way then you should tweet at us at HFLC Podcast and tell us what a brave soul you are for making it to the end. We appreciate your follows and your engagement. You can uh, follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well at HFLC Podcast. You can follow Griffin at Griffin Porter 97. You can follow myself at C House and Jan or Chouse and Jan. Also listen to Griffin's OUA in Conversation podcast that he does with the excellent Justine Jones. Uh, you can listen to my other podcasts, Got the Runs, and the forthcoming Bevy of Bevies. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, just recorded uh, a tarot milk tea episode over the weekend, Ooh. Griffin. So a little bit of a, uh, a spoiler for that. So look forward to that. Uh, but I think that will do it for High Floor, Low Ceiling for today. And until next time, keep your floors high and your ceilings low.